Welcome to the Fields of Success podcast, where you go behind the scenes with financial planner, business owner, and rural Ontarian, Brian Hilt, to hear stories of how successful entrepreneurs navigated the challenges on the path to success, and get insights from business consultants and professional advisors about continuing to grow and operate a successful business. Here's your host, Brian Hilt. Welcome to the Fields of Success podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hilt. In this episode, I speak with Ian of Ian Cubitt Professional Corporation about the history of his business, what he does, why he formed it, and where he is today. So thanks, Ian, for being on the podcast. I'm excited to learn about your background in business. Um, So first off, I was going to ask this before we actually went live, but can you correct me if I said your name wrong? Did I say your last name correctly? (laughs) Yeah, that's correct, Brian, and I'm happy to be here today. Uh, very good. So, well, first off, would you start by telling us, take the high level, what your business does, and then we'll back up and go to how you got to the point where you're at today. Sure. Well, I've been in business for two years, and right now I'm the only person in the business. I don't have any team members. And what I found over the years is that most people wonder how to handle their business transition. And what I focus on is guiding people through the financial tension and the relational tension so they can have harmony and success in that business transition. So the three main things I, I focus on are um, help guiding people who are getting ready to transfer the business to their children or just getting ready to sell the business or they have an employee who wants to become a part owner in the business and I coach people through those changes. Very interesting. So I could follow up with a lot of questions on all of those. Um, I think I'm just going to follow up with one kind of statistical thing, maybe. You mentioned that there's three different uh, real common ones. One, going the business going to the children, one selling the business, and one, there's an employee. In your experience coaching people through those transitions, which of them tends to have the more hurdles to overcome? I'd say def- I'd say in most situations there are at least two and often three of those situations all happening at the same time. So let's say you're selling a business to your children. Usually your children are an employee in the business before they become an owner. And so, you know, you have somebody selling a business, you have an employee who wants to become an owner, and you have a transition between a parent and a child. So in many situations you have all three of those. Um but you know often the more complexity is when when it involves when it involves family because there's more emotions attached to it and it's more difficult to um professionalize that that business relationship because you know usually people are calling the owner's mom and dad and it's just difficult to engage in those professional discussions about something that's a significant transfer if there's no guidance and you're just kind of sitting around mom and dad's kitchen table or even in the office. That's there's a lot of there's a lot of complexity and a lot of unspoken dynamics that are that are definitely real. Yeah, I would think that the just having the conversations would be much harder than if you're facing somebody who's not your family member. Um very interesting. Uh so let's back up and let's walk through a little bit how you got to start the business. What inspired you to start it. Um, So maybe back up, um, tell us maybe the beginning of your career, your career path, and what led you to 
start the business? Sure. Uh, well, back when I was super young, I'd started a few different businesses on the farm. And those some did well, some did moderate, and some did poorly. Uh, but overall, it was a great, great experience. So I, when I went to university, I thought, you know, I love business. I'm going to study business. And then I got into some accounting courses, and I thought, wow, you know, an accounting like understanding accounting would be a great background for any business that I work in someday or any business that I own someday, whatever that might be. And so I decided to get a chartered accounting designation and I got that. I ended up working in, in public accounting in an accounting firm for over 10 years. So I was with PricewaterhouseCoopers in, in Mississauga and Halifax for six or seven years, something like that. And I became a income tax specialist with them. And then I moved back to Ontario and was a tax specialist and business transition specialist with BDO for six or seven years, something like that. And so what I found over the years is, um, you know, we put together an amazing tax plan and then sometimes it wouldn't work out. And and I'd wonder, you know, what, what, what happened with that? And I'd evaluate the situation. And usually it wasn't because we'd made a bad plan. Usually it was because there was some type of relational tension or misunderstanding or dysfunction that took place within the participants in the business that created this, you know, unsatisfactory ending. So with BDO, I was doing more of this business transition coaching and combining that with tax planning. And I wanted to do that full time. So eventually I decided to do it to quit my job and, and start doing it a hundred percent of that time in my new business. But throughout the journey, um, you know, there's, a, I did a lot of reading. I do a lot of reading anyway. And, you know, when I was, when I was at BDO and I was kind of like, do I start my own business? Do I not start my own business? And evaluating that I read a great book called quitter by John Acuff. And I can't, I think the subtitle is closing the gap between your day job and your dream job something like that. And so I read that book on vacation one, one summer and I thought, oh, this is phenomenal. And my wife and I decided, you know, we're going to fully engage in my employment with my work for, for at least one more year. And so we did that. And that was really a huge moment in my career journey because I, I wasn't churning about whether or not I should start a business or like I wasn't, it just helped me to be content and to fully engage in growing in, in where I was. And, and that was helpful. I also read a book called Start by John Acuff. That was great. He's a hilarious author, a lot of humor in there. Not everybody would love it, but I just found it, I just was eating it up. And so I'd say it was probably over a, at least a two-year process of deciding to start my own business. And one of the reasons was, uh, like that I want to start my own business was I took a course called Product Launch Formula, which it teaches how to educate people about something that you're that you're in a way that you're serving somebody and like educate them and then ask them to do business with you and it just it just wasn't going to work for me to use that approach um when I was in a large firm and so that was one of the reasons why I decided to start my own business and you know one thing to be clear Brian I didn't I didn't start my business kind of on the side while I was working cuz I had some you know, professional commitments with my employer that I wouldn't work um, kind of on the side doing professional work. So I had to make a very clean cut, like no, no customers, no starting the business, you know, no developing the website until I was done my work. 
yeah, I I empathize with that and understand that entirely. I'm in a lot of that process right now yet still uh, getting some of the nuts and bolts of the website up and all that because, yeah, you can't work on that at all until after you make that cut. Very interesting. I took some notes here and I'm going to come back to them. Um, just for the listeners, I'll put in the show notes links to the books that were mentioned there by John Acoff, both Quitter and Start. So if you want to find those, I'll put links into the show notes. You can go to the website and uh, find those. You mentioned as well, Ian, product launch formula educating and then asking somebody to do business. Is that a formal course that you took or a web course? What is that exactly? It's a, I guess you'd call it a web course. Like it's a course that's um, provided online. And actually right now, Jeff Walker is doing, Jeff Walker is the creator of the product launch formula. He's doing a, a new launch right now. He's doing some online training and I think he's going to be doing about 10 hours of teaching for free. So this wasn't planned. Like I'm not, I'm not promoting him. Um, but that's not my heart to in, in this show, but, um, that's just what's happening right now. And his website's productlaunchformula.com. And I've had just unbelievable, amazing results from following his formula. And really the formula is just create a sequence, an education based marketing sequence where, you know, you put together a video or an email or something. And then you, a few days later, another one, a few days later, another one, a few days later, another one. And the fourth one, you basically recap everything and you ask for some business. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's definitely worth checking out if somebody's interested in, in connecting with potential customers in a way that the potential customers engage. Very good. I think I'll check that out myself as well. Uh, follow up on a few questions regarding uh, your background and starting the business. So your background being you have your degree and your designations in the accounting field, but just to clarify for the listener, you have a fantastic knowledge of tax and accounting, but you didn't start an accounting practice. Your practice is coaching people through the transitions and all the financial and non-financial aspects of it, but you're not doing their tax returns or their corporate statements, et cetera. Am I correct there? That, that's correct. Yeah. So it's kind of fascinating. When I started my business, I got a bunch of calls saying, Hey, you know, can you prepare my tax return or, you know, would you, would you do my accounting work for me? And I had no customers and I said, no, which is kind of a gutsy thing to do, but I was so clear on who I was serving. And part of the, part of getting clear on who I was going to serve is being clear on who I'm not going to serve. And it's not that I, there's anything wrong with those people. It's just, that's not the niche that I was focusing on. And so I'm not doing any tax returns. I'm not doing any financial statements. I'm not doing any bookkeeping. Yeah. I'm just, what I am doing is coaching people through those things. And what I found is, you know, I love doing that and I'm really good at it. And a lot of other people are really good at the tax and accounting. And maybe it's best if people hire me to, to do the coaching. Yeah. And I think that that's a good distinction to make because I find in a lot of businesses that there's, well, you're, this phrase comes to mind, jack of all trades and specialist of none. Um, so in your case, you're saying, you know, I have all this knowledge, which I can bring to the table for somebody, but that's not, I'm just, I'm looking at your transition and I'll look at the financial aspects and stuff, but I'm here to compliment your accountant, not to take over their job. 
Absolutely. I'm really clear about that with potential customers and even with customers. And, and most of them really like that because they don't have a desire to fire their accountant when they start working with me. They just want extra help. And 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 I want to be positive focused about this. Um, how should I say this? A lot of a lot of accountants assist in succession planning. And usually what that means is they talk to mom and dad. Usually they talk to dad and figure out what's going to happen with the business. That usually ends poorly. You know, what I do is I facilitate, you know, understanding amongst the generations what the desires are, what the, you know, the future objectives are, what are some of the obstacles that we're going to face, or maybe what are some of the obstacles that we're already facing, and how, how are we going to overcome those obstacles? And there's a bunch of different ways we can do that, but it's a much more guided approach, and it, it respects the, the humanness of each person in the in this transition, not just talking to the like to the to the old man. Yeah, and I think that that's fantastic because I can see where that would often end in disaster. You have how many children that could be involved, and not talking to the different children about what their feelings are, and you might end up with some resentment otherwise. Um, so to delve a little bit more into your practice. We've highlighted a little bit what you do. I will put a link to the in the show notes to your website as well so that listeners can go there and they can get some more information and contact you via your website. Um, how many, you know, when I think of this, it's a very involved process, uh, meeting with the different family members. It's a series of meetings. How many different families are you typically working with at a time? I'd say at a time it's around six families at a time. It's not so a lot, really... Brian. I don't I don't consider it to be a lot, but it's um it always ranges because of the kind of project base. It's not like where you know, if you have when I was with PDO I had probably a couple hundred clients and some of them just took me very little time per year, some of them took me more. But with this it is more way more involved and I'm doing a lot of the heavy lifting for people. So it's not like it's taking up months and months of their year. A lot of the work is being done by me to make it easier for them to to do the business transition successfully and 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 in a way that they're satisfied with. Yeah. So one other question then specifically as pertains to the business. Let's say that I'm a business owner and I come to you and we want to transition the business I don't know if it has to be specific in the example to whom. Just give us a kind of a overview of what your process would be. Um, you have an introductory meeting and then you go from there and maybe as well then delve into your pricing. We've talked about that a little bit before, offline before. Um, so maybe just delve into what your process is to get things started with somebody. Yeah, the process, that's probably as far as I'd want to go because each situation is so unique. But the process is I with the people. Usually, it'd be just the current owners because really they're the ones you're ultimately going to be making the decision whether to hire me to to guide them in their business transition. I meet with them, understand their needs and their desires, and then I'd go back to my office and I prepare a proposal about how I could meet their needs and satisfy their desires. And usually, there'd be two or three different options on there with different levels of value, different different prices, and so then. Then the potential, my potential customer would know up front what the price is, what they're going to accomplish, what the timeline is like, and and then they can decide whether to to do business with me or whether to to do something different. 
And, you know, it's, it's, I've had an overwhelmingly positive response from people about that approach because normally dealing with a business transition is something that they've never dealt with before. And they really like the clarity that that proposal and, and the, the, when I, you know, project out what we're going to be doing by when and what's going to be involved, it's relieving. Yeah. And so I'm going to follow that up a little bit and maybe make a statement or also an explanation. And so when you make those proposals to your potential customers, then what you put down for a price is your price. You're not billing somebody on an hourly basis. You're not doing anything like that. If you're saying, this is your situation, this is what the price is going to be. And that's what it is. Am I correct? Yeah, that? th- that's, that's correct. And what I found is people, you know, my customers engage way more with this journey of business transition because of that, because they're not, they're not thinking about like the price is already set at the beginning. Now we can just go do the work. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I, it's not about the amount of time that I take, you know, it took me an extra 10 hours. So I'm going to have to charge you extra. That never happens. You know, one of the things that, one of the things I write my proposal is you will never be surprised by an invoice. Yeah. And I think it just won't happen. I think that's a tremendous value in and of itself to give people peace of mind because the last thing in my experience that you want somebody to be worried about in a transition is consulting with somebody that they should be consulting with. If they have something on their mind, you want them to be free to call you, not to think, well, if I call him, it's going to be another 0.25 hours on my bill. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that's, there's the, the human behavior aspect, you know, human behavior is very dynamic and somewhat predictable and, and, and often irrational. And I'm not being critical of people. Like I'm a human too. Surprise, surprise. Like that's just the way we are. And so this, this process is just, it's just amazing. So another part about the process of, I'm sorry, if you have another question, go ahead, Brian. I don't want to go down a rabbit trail there. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, in terms of in terms of human behavior, doing this product launch formula launch, just communicating that way has been phenomenal. Like that was a huge moment in the development of my business when I did that first launch. You know, when I did the first, I did four videos, and and I got a total of two thousand dollars of revenue. I had I had only one customer register for my for my online coaching program, which was like an epic failure. Like this was, I was hoping for way more than that. But what happened afterwards was exactly what what the creator of the product launch formula predicted. He said, every time you do a launch, there's going to be like a launch echo where you get all these other unintended benefits coming out afterwards. And that's what's happened for me where I've got, you know, a massive amount of business from people saying, look, I'm not interested in this online coaching thing that you're offering, that you're offering in the launch, but could you just come and coach our family? Could you just come and coach our business? Or I have financial advisors saying, look, I need you to come and meet with my client on this situation. And, you know, pretty soon it turns into a, like a massive amount of business from people I didn't even, I, I didn't even know they existed. I didn't even know their names before I did the, the product launch formula launch. So that was a huge moment in development in my business. And, uh, you know, another huge moment was deciding what I was going to do and what I was not going to do. And, you know, as a, as a chartered accountant, I have a lot of expertise in a variety of financial related topics. And so when I put together my business plan, I had a bunch of things I was going to do. And I sent that to my advisory board because before I started my business, I contacted four men that I know 
I said, can you give me advice as I launch my business or as I consider launching my business? And, and all of them said, look, Ian, you could do all that stuff. You should not do all that stuff. And they really narrowed me down to what, what I am extremely good at and where there's a need in the world and where I can serve that. So a lot of the other stuff, like we talked about tax returns, accounting, you know, bookkeeping, all that stuff that I can do, that I can do very well, I've chosen not to do. And that's been really freeing and helps help my customers, my t- potential customers to understand exactly what I, what I do. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm going to circle back just with one small story just to highlight for the listeners and for just because I think it's a funny story. The what I think the tremendous value is in what I believe would be called value-based pricing than that you do. Uh, I recently consulted with an attorney when I left my former employer. I got the bill for that yesterday. And every <laughs> single every single email, every single phone call, every single everything was to the tenth of the hour. So the bill itself was about four pages because they had everything itemized out so much to the 10th to the, and then if it was this person in the office, it was this rate. And if it was this person, it was this rate all adding up to an amount. And so there was that. But the other part of it was, I know that I often did not call when I had a question because I knew that in the background that that ticker would be going. And so I intentionally didn't call at times, or maybe I sent an email instead of calling because I figured, well, then maybe it's not going to take as much of his time. So I think that that's a a really good thing that you're not doing the hourly pricing that what's your price is your price. I'm going to follow up now and ask a question related to the future of the business. So it sounds as if the business is going well. You're providing a lot of value to people through their transitions. What's your plans for the future? Do you plan on being the... I guess the sole practitioner going into the future at some point, do you plan on mentoring somebody who comes under your wing and provides the same service um, as an employee of yours? Kind of what's your vision for the future? Yeah, my vision for the future is to do is to continue being a coach for hundred percent. It is. Um, I don't, I, I feel like I would feel dissatisfied in my work if I was, just managing this, you know, team of 20 coaches, but I definitely do desire to, to have one or more team members join me who can coach people because the, there's already so many opportunities for me to coach people. And I'm regularly saying, you know, I could start, you know, I'm, I'm booked up right now, but I could start with you in, you know, name the month, you know, down the road because I definitely want to make sure that I have enough capacity to honor the commitments I've made to the customers who I already have. So I think one, one challenge is finding a team member who can handle the relational complexity and the financial complexity of business transition. And who also has the heart of a teacher who, who has patience to, to just bear with the human dynamics of a situation because misunderstandings happen because because of we communicate but we don't understand what the other person's saying and you know dealing with the human aspect of a business transition um is very difficult if a person has um a disdain for people who are fill in the blank whatever that blank might be so i'd want to have somebody who who can deal with the relational and financial complexity and handle that tension without without shying away from it 
while at the same time being willing to just nurture people and, and guide them and coach them in their journey. Yeah, I can see where that will be an interesting endeavor. Maybe that's a good way of putting it and finding somebody who can bring to the table a similar skill set to yours because it's not a, well, there could be a lot of fantastic accountants who don't have that skill set to bring along with it, to be a teacher, to be a coach, to be a mentor, uh, not just to look at the number side of things. So that'll be interesting to see how things go for you and how that, that all develops. And it's going to be some work for you as well to take them under your wing and kind of mentor them a little bit as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think one thing, you know, in terms of some of the biggest lessons I've learned over the years and things that I would want a new team member to, to, you know, not that they have, they don't have to be the same as me, but, you know, things that have been huge for me is, you know, I believe I have a choice about whether to grow or stagnate as a person, whether to grow or stagnate my career, you know, in terms of being a dad, being a husband, you know, all those aspects of my life, I have a choice about whether to grow or not. And, Reading has really helped me to grow and expand my mind. It's helped me to expand my emotional intelligence. It's helped me to expand my spiritual vitality. And it's helped me to expand my coaching ability. So I would want to see a, a, a potential team member, you know, being engaged in life. Whether they're engaged in exactly what I'm doing at the moment that they join me, that's somewhat not as relevant. But somebody who's engaged in life, if somebody's not engaged, I mean, anyway, I won't. I won't continue with that thought. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. Well, we're nearing the end of the podcast here. So just a few questions here to follow up. You mentioned that you're a reader. You gave a couple books that you said that you read before. This question is one that just came to mind. It wasn't on uh, any of the outline I provided you ahead of time. So what's one book that you would recommend an aspiring entrepreneur to read and why? One great book that's more focused on professional firms than it is on, on other businesses, but the, the principles are 100% applicable to, to any business is a book called Implementing Value Pricing by Ron Baker. And there's a bunch of different versions out there. The one that I bought has the purple cover. I think that's the most recent one. Just a phenomenal. Um, phenomenal approach to to doing business. And I have a one-page net out of that book. If anybody's interested in, in me sending it to them, um, just you know, send me an email um, or give me a phone call and you can contact me through the website that, um, that Brian's going to leave. It's iancubit.com. That's a great book. Uh, in terms of, I'm going to squeeze in one more book. If you're looking at wealth transition, the best book I've ever read is called Splitting Heirs. That's H-E-I-R-S how to give money and things to your children without ruining their lives. Phenomenal book. Very different than normal normal approach to, to dealing with wealth transition. Um, another thing I do, you know, if you're starting a new business or, or whether you're running a business now, is just do a Colby assessment. That's K-O-L-B-I. It just talk, just helps people to, to be self-aware about their natural instincts when it comes to how they approach a task. Not necessarily about what task they're doing, but how they approach it. You know, do you do you figure out all the facts ahead of time? Do you just get started and see how it works out? You know, do you just rip it apart with your hands and put it back together in terms of understanding how something works? There's different, there's just a, different natural tendencies. And that's been really helpful, especially if there's tension between a person and another person on a team. Likely they're different. They have different approaches to doing a task. So that's colby.com. 
is a great resource for that. Very good. So I will put links to all of those in the show notes, implementing value-based pricing, splitting errors, and then the Colby assessment. Um, as well for you listeners, Ron Baker has a few, there's a few videos of speeches and presentations he's given on YouTube that I've watched before that are fantastic. So if you're a YouTube person, there's some great stuff there. Um, you're the second person in in two days who's mentioned the book Splitting Airs. So I'm going to have to get that one and read that one myself. Um, and my final comment in regards to the Colby assessment, I've never taken a Colby assessment. I've taken the MMPI when I was entering law enforcement. I recently took a DISC assessment. And it was a series of, I think, 24 questions and I had to rate things in order of how I felt that they applied to me, et cetera. And when I got the results, I was quite frankly amazed because when you go through the questions, I would have said, they're going to learn anything about me from this. And yet when I read through it, I'm like, hmm, yep, that's me. And sometimes I'm like, that's me. And I don't know if I like it, but it's true. So yeah, anyways, it, it, like you said, it helps you be aware. And in my case, it was because I have a, a coach who I'm working with for some you know, business development and the same types of things. And he wanted to know how he could properly coach me. And so he had me take a DISC assessment. Um, well, my last question I was going to ask, I think you answered already. And that was, what's one you know tidbit of advice or encouragement that you want to share for young listeners or aspiring entrepreneurs? I think you shared that here in the Colby assessment. So, but maybe one thing, you know, if you have somebody who's a thinking about starting a business and they've kind of pondered it for a while, what advice would you give to them? I know in your case, you said that you decided to stay with your current employment for a year, dedicate yourself to that, and then you made the decision to change. What would you give advice, give one thing to somebody who's been pondering starting a business? Yeah. One thing I'd say is try to find somebody who's 15 years older than you and ask them if if you can just ask them some questions. You know, maybe you don't want to say, could you be on my advisory board, but maybe you want to be that bold and just have like sometimes expressing something verbally or even in writing about your ideas helps helps you get clarity and having another person give their perspective is is good. And it's helpful for that person who's 15 years older to actually have been successful. Because if you ask somebody who's not been successful in life for their advice, probably not going to get the greatest advice. So I'd, I'd recommend getting an advisory board. I just you know, reiterate that starting a business is almost always a ton of work. It's not all vacation and taking off all the time you want. I mean, you have the you usually have freedom to choose when to take time off, but it's a lot of work starting a business. I'd encourage people to select a niche and I'd figure out their messaging into a short statement, like what problem do you address and what transformation do you create? What problem do you address? What transformation do you create? And people engage emotionally with a service that you're going to provide. And then, then they decide intellectually to the reasons why it's a good idea for them to do what their emotions have said they should do. So don't just appeal to their intellect to do business. Include some type of, uh, my heart is definitely not about manipulation. That's not my heart. But in, engaging with people's emotions is very human and, and is really helpful in communicating how you're going to serve a person. Yeah, I agree with that entirely. Another thing I know I've mentioned is focus on value first. Have a value focus, not not on pricing based on time or pricing based on the number of units or whatever. Like just 
even if it's a commodity-based thing, focus on the value that you're providing for the customer and price your price your services or your products based on that. It's just it's way better experience for the customer, way better experience for the business owner. Yeah, I would agree. And so I would second here at the end of the, this episode that listeners take the time to go on YouTube and watch one of the videos from Ron Baker uh, to read the book, Implementing Value-Based Pricing. Um, even if you're in a different industry, not in a professional industry, there's still a ton of application that you can take away. Even in the words that you use, talking about pricing and a customer instead of just the cost of something. Um, so it's a really valuable way to spend some time. Uh, so thanks for taking some time out of your busy day, Ian, to come on the podcast. I really enjoyed our discussion. And uh, thanks for sharing some information about your business. I trust that what you shared will be interesting and valuable to the listeners. Hopefully, you'll see some listeners come to your website and maybe contact you through it. For the listeners, Ian's website is www.iancubit.com. That's I-A-N-C-U-B-I-T-T.com. You can go there and you can reach him through that. If you want the one-page summary or the snapshot, which he's put together after reading Implementing Value-Based Pricing, you can contact him via email through that and he'll send that to you. Any resources mentioned during the show can be a link to them in the show notes for the podcast. You can find the show notes at my website, which is www.seedtimeandharvestwc.ca. That's seedtimeandharvestwc.ca. So thanks again for listening and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Fields of Success podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please take a moment to share it with your friends and provide a review. As well, if you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, please email Brian at podcast at seedtimeandharvestwc.ca. That's podcast at seedtimeandharvestwc.ca. If you would like further information about Brian's firm, Seed Time and Harvest Wealth Council of Manulife Securities Incorporated, please check out the website at www.seedtimeandharvestwc.ca. There you can find more information, schedule a meeting, and check out the notes from this podcast episode. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.